scripture reading can be found on page 789 of your Pew Bible. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who builds his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not act on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm just trying out this microphone for the first time. Can you all hear me? Are we good? Yes. Okay, good. So, um, again, good morning. I um, greet you from the United Methodist side of the Christian family. It's my great um, pleasure and joy to work with your Pilgrim 2020 committee. And as John said, I'm one of the parish consultants for the New England Conference of the United Methodist Church, and I do this kind of work a lot. Because church is complicated. It's not, it's not easy. And our world, as John show, uh, illustrated in the children's message, is changing, sometimes for good. I'm not sure I would want to be interviewed by a deacon the week before communion to make sure I was worthy of the Lord's Supper. Um, but when those changes happen, they are unsettling. And so I want to speak to you a little bit this morning about dry stone walls. And John, can you put our picture up? Maybe. Okay. So, um, for a while, my husband, who's also a United Methodist pastor, was the pastor in Montpelier, Vermont. And then while we lived there, we bought a home. It was an old farmhouse. And the people who had owned that home before us had planned to build a dry stone wall of slate in, in the back of the house. And there was a big pile of slate in a bank that was sort of falling in. And as we realized that that wall, the bank was falling in, we thought we would hire someone to build the dry stone wall. And then we found out how much it costs to hire someone to build a dry stone wall. And some of my friends were stonemasons, and they said, oh, anyone can build a dry stone wall. You just need to follow three rules. So we thought, okay, uh, we'll do it. Um, first of all, though, um, there's a difference between a dry stone wall and a wet, and a wet stone wall. And how, any of you masons out there? So a wet stone wall, John, can you go to the next slide? The wet in a wet stone wall refers to cement. So any wall where the stones are held together by cement is considered a wet stone wall. Uh, a dry stone wall, John, can you go to the next one? Doesn't have any cement holding it together, right? This is not the wall we built. It's a little prettier. Um, but that's more or less what ours looked like, right? It's holding a bank up behind it. The joke in our house, uh, we had young children at the time, was what do you call a dry stone wall when it's raining? You call it a wet dry stone wall. Right? Even when it's raining, it's a dry stone wall because it doesn't have cement. One of my um, stonemason friends says, mortar is evil. <laughs> cement has its place. But the thing with cement is that it makes the wall rigid and inflexible. And when the ground shifts, as it does in Vermont every winter, those walls break. They often break along the cement lines. Sometimes they break along the stone lines, but they don't last very long. Whereas a dry stone wall, if it's built right, will basically <coughs> last forever. And many of you have probably experienced being out in the woods here in Massachusetts and running across a dry stone wall 
that a farmer built here a couple of hundred years ago, three, four hundred years ago, and it's still there. So that was our goal. We wanted to build a wall that would outlast us. So we had to learn three rules. The first rule is, um, and you can say on this slide, John, that the force that would tear a wall apart, which is gravity, is the same force you can use to hold the wall together. And that's illustrated in this picture by the fact that the biggest stones are on top. This was a learning for me. I thought you put the biggest stones on the bottom, like when you're building blocks with your kids. You put the biggest stones on top, they're called top stones, because the weight of those stones pushes the wall together. Another way you use gravity, and you can't really see that in this picture, but every one of those stones is tipped a little bit so that it leans into the bank behind it. So that when the top stone is pressed on top, it actually drives the stones toward the bank. So two ways you use gravity. If you have a wall with two sides, ideally the stones tip in toward the center and then the top stones hold it all together. So to me, this is a great analogy about church. The thing that is marvelous about church is this is the place where we talk about our deepest beliefs about the most important things in the world, about love, about God, about grace, about peace, about how Jesus makes our lives different. And sometimes we argue about those things, and that can tear a church apart. But if we can discuss them well, if we can build a church so that we can talk about the heaviest and the most important and the deepest things well as a community, those conversations, even if we don't agree, those conversations can hold us together, can bind us together. And when the ground shifts, the way that we're structured helps us to be flexible and be adaptable in that, uh, to that change. So that's the first rule. Second rule, if you can go to the next slide, John. Second rule is two-on-one and one-on-two. So when you're building a, stone wall, a dry stone wall, as much as you can, you want to have one stone rest on two stones, and then two stones rest on that one stone in the next course up. You want to interlayer your stones as much as you can. If you build a, st- a wall out of uneven stone, you can't do that perfectly, right? And our, our stone is decidedly uneven. But you do the best you can. Um, when the, all the edges of the rocks line up with each other, that's called a seam. And that's where the wall is weakest. That's where it'll tend to break as, as things shift over time. But ideally, if you can do two on one and one on two most of the time, then when the ground shifts, the rocks can kind of move around a little bit and settle in even more tightly with each other. That's one of the keys to those walls lasting a long time, two on one and one on two. And so my question to you this morning, and you you can ponder this, who are the two people who hold you up in the faith? And who are the two people that you hold up in the faith? As churches do that with each other, as we make relationships with folks more than just one who can help us grow in our faith walk, who can be there when we need them, and when we can pass that love on to other people and be there for those people when we need them, That's what helps a church stay together even when culture changes, even when enormous things happen in the world. 
So that sense of two on one and one on two, and you don't have to follow the, the two and the one part, uh, I was going to say religiously, but uh, that's really fine. <laughs> um, but I think that, that there's more than one person who holds us up, and that we are not the only person holding other people up. A church becomes weak when everything's focused on just one person. We need, we need each other, and we need different kinds of each other as we go along. And then the third law, or the third rule for stone walls, you can go to the next one, John, is, um, it's kind of twofold. Every stone has a job, and every stone has a place. Right? The job of the big stones is to hold up the little stones, and the job of the little stones is to hold up the big stones. Right? It looks like the little stones aren't doing as much when they're smaller, but what they're doing is keeping the big stones from wobbling, especially in a wall like this one where some of the stones are pretty round. If you didn't have the little stones, those wobbly big stones would not last very long in the wall. And every stone has its place. When we were building our wall, there were some stones that we tried out four and five and six different places before we found the spot where it fit, where that was really the place where it was going to be. Um, once in a while it would have a little bump on it and we would take that bump off with the chisel and then it would nestle in even more carefully. But we learned very quickly that if we tried to take a lot of bumps off, the rock would shatter. Right? You can only adjust rocks a little bit. And you have to put it in the place that works for it. You can't just put it anywhere you feel like or anywhere you need a stone. You need just the right stone in the right place. And the analogy to church is, is clear. There are no extraneous members of the body of Christ. We are all different. It is God's delight, I believe, to make us all different. And it's God, it must be God's delight, I hope it's to God's humor, <laughs> to put all of our differences together into one place. And as we serve in the ways in which each one of us are gifted, we are made more whole and the church is made more whole. <coughs> The Quakers believe that every person has a piece of the light of God in them. And we need to talk to each person. We need to, to get that light from everyone together to get a whole picture of the full light of God. No one of us can do it all by ourselves. So those are the three rules. Um, you use the force of gravity to hold a wall together. Two on one and one on two. And every stone has its job and its place. And with those rules and a big enough pile of stone and enough time, you too can build a dry stone wall in the back of your house if you want. Um, we started in early August, and I thought we'd be done around Labor Day. We finished Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> it takes a long time to build a dry stone wall. And we've since moved. We're no longer uh, in that home in Montpelier, but the wall is still there. And whenever I drive through Montpelier, I go out of my way to zip up First Avenue and take a peek at it as I go by, although I have to say the people who bought the house from us have all these plants in front of it and we can't, they aren't appreciating it properly. <laughs> but they didn't build it either. So as John mentioned to the kids this morning, uh, the Pilgrim 2020 committee is endeavoring to think about how, how will this church move into the future in a way that is faithful and flexible and is tuned into what it is that God wants to do with this particular part of the body of Christ in the coming years. Um, and, 
and there's a, a series of um, question sessions happening over the next couple of weeks. You're going to have an opportunity to sign up for those after worship today and tomorrow. And then I think the first session is October 28th. Is that one? Okay. Um, and what will happen is two, two people from the Pilgrim 2020 Committee will sit with you or with, with you and your family and ask you, what to you is the most important thing about Pilgrim Church? And the reason that the committee is asking these questions is that they're going to take those responses and put them together to get a clear sense of what is the core ideology, the core meaning, the the root of who this congregation is in this place and in this time. As John mentioned, there are things that shift and change over time, but there's a core of what church is about that should not ever change. And before the Pilgrim 2020 Committee starts thinking about what new things we need to do in the future, it's important to understand who, is, who are we and what is it we're really about here. And so that is when they're going to be coming to you to speak to you about this in the coming weeks. And I encourage you to, to take some time to do that. If, there's, if for some reason you're not able to be here on the Sundays when it's happening here at church, speak to a member of the committee and I, I know that they'll get out to see you at a time that works for you. Uh, I'm going to do a demonstration with Matt a little bit later in the service today so you can get a sense of what that will be like. Um, We're going to be asking you to really dig deep about what's most important to you here and why is it so important to you. We're going to ask you to be vulnerable about the importance of this place in your life. And that's a little scary and it's also immensely important because each of you has a piece of the light of God in this place. And we need to get as many of those lights together as we can for us to really understand what God has in mind for the future of this place. The reading that Jack gave us this morning was about Jesus saying that if you hear my words and live them, it's like building a house on a rock instead of a house on sand. And I have to say the first 150 times I heard that scripture, I figured what he meant was you built a house on a rock and you bolted it in and it never moved, right? Now that I've built a dry stone wall, I'm not sure that that's what he meant. I think what he said was, know what your core is. Build on the rock of my teaching and also build with rocks in all the ways you can so that what is most true will continue to be true even when the edges shift. Because one of the things that happens, even though this church was founded 400 and how many? 333. 333. I was listening, really. Uh, (laughs) 333 years ago, that, that group of people was founded on the rock of the gospel. And that rock has not changed in these 333 years. But some sand has seeped in. Right? The ways people did things then that they thought was absolutely essential to being church, like not having any music, that sand has since gotten swept out so that this church can evolve in the ways that it, it lives the gospel um, so that it's relevant and truly in service and listening to the community around it and to God who's among and above all of us in this. And so as we seek to build for the future, 
We want to build on the rock of Jesus, but we don't want to cement ourselves in so hard that when things shift, everything falls apart. We want to build on the rock of Jesus in a way that as things shift, we can stay on that rock and continue to be in ministry to the world and continue to grow as people of God in this place. It's my great joy to be able to help you on that journey. Um, I'm holding you in prayer. I know that you all are praying for this. With God, all things are possible. Amen. And our next hymn is the psalmist.